Greetings and welcome to the Mount Rushmore podcast. My name is Jeff and I'm joined as always by my good friends Richard Hello. and Michael. Howdy. <laughs> Richard and Michael and I like to are debate. now aware that our cameras are here and we're pointing <laughs> no, at them. We're, and we're looking at them. Oh, oh my God. Oh, we're, we're, it's it awkward. self-aware, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like when you see yourself on that Target uh, camera. <laughs> it's like making faces. Well, these guys debate and deliberate the most ubiquitous aspects of a variety of topics. And this week is a really esoteric and interesting topic. It is the Mount Rushmore of musicians or bands cameos of themselves in movies. Who, who stunk of it? Who stunk of this one? I stunk of this oh, one. You, this one stinks. Yeah. I know. I love it. This is my choice uh, primarily because of one, my first choice that I'll ultimately make. But, um, you know, we've seen uh, cameos by lots of different people. You know, there's lots of people who like cameo as themselves, but with a musician, a musician coming in and... Not a magician. A magician coming <laughs> in and, and doing their own magic. A magi- musician coming in and playing a song. I think it serves a couple different purposes. Yeah. Sometimes it's um, very specific to the story. Sometimes it is um, uh, maybe put out there by the label as a way oh, to get yeah. somebody visible. And I think oh, that's always kind of interesting or a side mm-hmm. a side aspect of it um sometimes it's just like hey good music being played yeah. it's kind of like diegetic music that's happening within the movie and you have to have a band there and might as well be a real band as opposed to like you know let's think of the name like the um the heaters or some you know just making up a name yeah. for a band that maybe they're actually a real band but they're playing as another band you know if a real band's playing it mm-hmm. adds a sense of kind of uh, reality and you yeah. recognize people on there and you're like oh this is interesting and i thought well you know this is a we all love music we all love movies yeah fun top it was it in the in uh that thing you do the wonders were captain jimmy and the shrimp shack shooters or something like that <laughs> right <laughs> um so define for our audience before we get going what a yeah. cameo is because this if you if, if it was lady gaga in a star is born that's not a cameo no but lady gaga in a star is born doesn't play lady gaga okay but in a cameo movie- means short no but the point is in the movie, a stars what's it called? A star is born. Yeah, yeah. her the character isn't Lady Gaga. It has to be oh, as themselves. Okay, yeah. So if she was like in there as Lady Gaga, if it was kind of like the Lady Gaga story, yeah, I've said the word Gaga way too much. <laughs> We're Google for Gaga. <laughs> Gaga out. <laughs> uh, but like, you know, it could be. Uh, I don't know if this is on yours, mm-hmm. but this is one that I thought of. Um, in Wayne's World. Two, or is it Wayne's World? Which is the one where they see uh, Alice Cooper? Alice, Alice Cooper. Cooper. It's, it's, it's the first one, isn't it? First one, isn't yeah. it? No, n- number it's two. The second one. It number the second two. So the beginning of Wayne's World Two, they go see Alice Cooper performing. Yeah, and that would be like a cameo. Like yeah. he's there performing as himself. It, yeah. it leads into the characters, you know, wanting to go put on their big, um, big show. Yeah. It's like the 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 point of it. You know, he's not doesn't have a huge part, but he has enough of a part. Okay, well, uh, I think our audience. I would is... literally accept any. <laughs> You'll take it. Whatever. I, our audience is ready, and they, and they have to be actually playing music, right? Yeah, that's the thing. It's like right. it's not just like um, David Bowie in <laughs> Zoolander when he walks in and he's like declaring, you know, the winner of the yeah, you know, the walk off, okay. ridiculous walk off. That's a cameo. That's a musician. He's yeah. playing himself. He's not singing. Or Morrissey in the in that um, uh, movie mm-hmm. where he goes. 
That's five dollars of unleaded. <laughs> That'll be fourteen fifty. <laughs> Two in a row. Five gallons. <laughs> okay. Yeah. okay, so uh, I think the audience is waiting with bated breath to see if Cameo is one of the band's chosen mm. uh, Cameo. But we all know Word the up. rules word here <laughs> that uh, the person who ch- uh, he who smelt it does not dealt it. Um, so Richard will be going first. All right, so this one may stretch the credulity of the yeah. term Cameo. Oh, okay. Um, but I, I don't. He's not one of the stars of the film, so I think that this will ultimately fit for my needs. Uh, Tom Jones in the movie Mars Attacks. Oh, fun! Great! What a lovely, what a great pick! You know why it's a great pick? Because Tom Jones is the best. He's the best. He just is the best. I mean, please, if you if you can search out him doing, just do a, a YouTube search for Tom Jones Sloop John B. Oh, wow. It's him singing Sloop John B. on a boat on some sort of a yacht back mm-hmm. in like 74. Yeah. Wearing the shortest, whitest bikini bottom <laughs> you could possibly imagine. Uh. It's fantastic. So Mars Attacks. Um, <laughs> Tom Jones plays Tom Jones uh, singing at a half-empty Las Vegas yeah. nightclub. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which is what he is doing when Mars literally attacks uh, and has to... Uh, Fight their way out of Las Vegas with Jim Brown playing the former heavyweight boxing champion of the world. Yeah. Pam Greer, I believe, and Danny DeVito. What a cast. This movie's perfect. The the entire thing's (laughs) a great cast. And Tom Jones is just somebody who I think before that, I wasn't sure how self-aware he was. Mm. Um, But this definitely proved that he was in on the joke to some extent Mm -hmm. of who Tom Jones, what the Tom Jones persona is all about. Yeah. Um, of course, the end of the movie kind of ends with them out in the, the the mountains, and like a bird goes and flies on Tom Jones's shoulder, very to, Cinderella, or, or Snow yeah, White, very Snow White like to kind of signify that everything's going to be okay. <laughs> and I, I I remember seeing it in the theater and just falling over whenever I saw Tom Jones, kind of yeah. the bird, kind of like landing on him. Fantastic. Yeah, I can't imagine. Um. God, who's the, who's the other Vegas guy? Uh, Wayne Newton. Wayne Newton. Mr. Being, Showbiz? Yeah, Mr. being Mr. that, Vegas? having that much of a sense of humor. Well, he was in whatever, 33, was was he in, Was he the bad guy? He was one of the Naked Gun movies. Oh, was he? 33 and a third, I guess. Okay. But then, even then, he's playing a character. He's not playing Wayne Newton. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Well, that's a fun, that's a fun choice uh big tom jones fan i bought the dvds for his like 60s special yeah and it's clear that he just wants to do he wanted to do everything because he mm. he would be in all these comedy sketches and he was just just a lead balloon but mm. uh but game as hell well and, i, I want to talk about that that reminds me of uh, so that this morning we watched um mark hamill on the muppet show oh yeah and how he is just so great and such a ham mm-hmm as like a person and he's always been that way you know you think of him now as somebody that's very um self you know self aware and engaged with fans and then you real and he's always like he's a big goofy guy he's a big nerd and then you see him like on the muppet show and he's like oh this is how he's always been just the same way that like harrison ford has always been grumpy and gruff Mm -hmm. and difficult i'm sure uh carrie fisher was always kind of aloof sniping (laughs) you know kind of hard but you know acerbic yeah yeah yeah. but um it what i really like about this pick um is when they give the character something a little bit extra that makes them a little um like it's not he's not just there as a singer he like saves the day he blasts an alien yeah like Mm -hmm. okay we're gonna get tom jones in here to be you know oh he's you know 
Las Vegas singer, whatever. But then he can also fly a plane. Yeah. Yes. Like he he also becomes like the hero of Las Vegas in a in a way to get them out of the danger mm-hmm. from the from the Martians and everything. So mm-hmm. I just I, I like it's like okay, well we can get him. He's like yeah, but what else you got? You got right. Uh, but we do something more. What can we do with him to yeah. make it worth it worth mm-hmm. our while? Yeah. That's a fun choice. Okay. Uh, so Richard uh, has started. Michael, what do you got? Uh, I'll use my choice, my first choice as the one that I thought of in the first place. For a really dumb reason, yeah. Macy Gray in oh. Spider-Man. Oh wow! The 2002 wow. Sam Raimi film. I forgot about that. Of I, course, I forgot about it too. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Macy Gray is performing at Oscorp's uh, World Unity Festival. Some bullshit mm-hmm. where they just needed a bunch of people out to be in a big crowd scene, oh, and yeah. Spider-Man can save, um, you know, Mary Jane yeah. from the Green Goblin flying around, and they have these big, you know, inflatable balloons, and you know, it's like. World Unity Day, or it's something that's so so fake for garbage. Clearly, yeah, like yeah. The, who would? Why the amount of people? Why would they go to see this thing mm-hmm. that's put on by this horrible corporation? I want to know. <laughs> but two, uh, Epic Records, Macy Gray is performing, and she's out there singing some song. And I thought to myself, watching it, being like, "Oh, she's there because Epic um, is owned by Sony." And Sony owns the rights to put on this movie yeah. through Marvel. And so I thought, oh, this is just one of those situations where this whole scene is built around some mu- music executive or some executive being like, okay, we got to push Macy Gray. Mm-hmm. We, we know that she's a great talent. We got to get her on screen. She does a little bit of acting. She doesn't really act in the movie. Mm-hmm. She just kind of goes yeah. and she sings. But then it's just like, it's when you watch a movie. It's like when you watch like Superman 2. And yeah. he gets punched through like the big Marlboro. Yeah. Like all the ads that are just in the background. And like, you know, she does she doesn't impact the movie in any way. She doesn't, you know, I imagine all these people are there to see World Unity Day and Macy Gray and give herself this bigger sense of importance in the world. And it's like, okay, well the Green Goblin's gotta do something. <laughs> this could have literally this fight could have been done anywhere right. at any given time, but Sony as the head honchos were like, well, we got to do something with this property that we bought from Marvel about f- four or five years ago. It seems like the first thing you come out with is a little bit of uh, vinegar for uh, it. Could, so it's kind of a cameo gone wrong, you think? I well, I you know I think that gratuitous. Yeah, I think there's no reason. There was no reason that she's in this movie. There's no reason for all of these things to happen other than it's like 1998. Sony got the rights to Spider-Man. Yeah. You know if if. If Marvel hadn't gone bankrupt at some point, like Arrested Development wasn't available, so they decided <laughs> who's who's next up. Yeah, I mean, if like, or you know, I wonder who was on the list of Epic or whatever Sony albums that right. are, were available, or like who was the person that they wanted to push and put out there. Um, I don't know. I think the movie itself, if you go back and watch it, it's very Sam Raimi is feels like a bit of a creep. <laughs> all the women all the women in the movies all three Spider-Man movies are just these completely gorgeous women alright that's our hot take of the me. week uh, Michael looking at the camera um, do I have do I have the, you're fi- speaking the flames dire- on me yeah you're speaking directly at the Sam okay. Raimi you're calling him out uh, Sam Raimi I can't wait to see the next um, Doctor Strange movie <laughs> it's gonna be wonderful I'm sure but every woman in the movie is just like 
Drop Dead Gorgeous. They're all these models. I mean, movies are like that, but I mean, it's like the comic books are over, like that overly so. Like, there's no like plain looking female uh, in the movie. And I think it's like, we know who the plain looking one. Her name is Miss Macy Gray. Come here, Spider Man. Okay, all right. But anyway, so that's yeah. You know, a, a cameo she sings, kind of um, foisted upon you. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Yeah. I get it. Okay, well, it's cool that their cameos are not always. Uh, for the better they can be like spider-man a cameo has great responsibility uh, <laughs> along with the great power so rich what's your second all right my second choice comes from one of the more music cameo heavy movies perhaps of all time mm. uh singles oh okay and uh we're talking about Soundgarden. yeah uh which uh is who plays a... citizen dick or whatever the... no citizen no. dick was Several of the guys from Pearl Jam, and I think okay. Matt Cameron, possibly from Soundgarden. Yeah. But no, Soundgarden actually plays as Soundgarden mm. a one of the club scenes yeah. earlier in the film, I believe. Um, but what, the, what, what, where we get to the the real cameo genius level of it a little bit later on is Chris Cornell showing up in this one scene where Matt Dillon has installed a new uh, stereo speaker in his car, yeah, and is blasting it in front of the the apartment complex where all the characters live. Yeah. And and they're just grooving to the music and everything sounds great and then it gets a little bit too loud, gets a little bit too loud, suddenly the windows shatter. <laughs> Which leads me to believe that Chris Cornell lived in that apartment complex. Oh. Mm. I mean, I don't know where else he would have possibly come from. Mm-hmm. Which leads me to believe if Chris Cornell was in this apartment complex and you're making a movie about a, this apartment complex... Why isn't there more Chris Cornell in this movie? Oh, interesting. I feel like we should have seen more of the lead singer of Soundgarden playing mm-hmm. the lead singer of Soundgarden as a character in this movie. Mm. And he like... was very funny in his, his very brief role. So, uh-huh. Do you feel like he made a few leaps there? Like uh, his appearance in a movie means, cinematic appearance means he has actually res- residenced in a part of the movie? or that? Yeah, yeah, I mean, where else? Like you said, when Matt Dillon's out there with the car... And Chris Cornell, Cornell kind of just shows up mm-hmm. to help him out and yeah. check out this new cool stereo that he's got. Yeah. Where else would he have come from if he's not like just hanging around okay. the apartment complex? It doesn't seem like a booking. It seems like something that he just was in. It's Seattle small enough. That he was in <laughs> he, the neighborhood or in or lived in the apartment complex he lives in or the, something like that. The grunge district of <laughs> right. Seattle. <laughs> right, right, under, right next to Capitol Hill. <laughs> yeah. And the, hero, the Aaron Queen Anne. Yeah. And the heroin needle. Yeah. <laughs> I mean the space I needle. I mean space needle. Okay, that's a cool, that's a fun cameo. There's a lot of fun cameos in that, but yeah. yeah. Do they do they play to Sam Carton? Yeah, Sandgarden does play. Like I said, they play in one of the earlier uh, oh, like a con- concert scenes. scenes. Yeah, one of the concerts. Mm-hmm. Does that? Um, I you know that's funny. I've never seen singles. It's one what? that I know. It's one. It's one of those that was like you, like I've seen reality bites way too many times. Well, don't don't do that. But like singles was one of those that just never quite. It never. I got a hot take. Yeah. Yeah. Can you get me on? Okay, okay. All right, look right in the camera, Rich. Can you get me on the hot take? Hot take. <laughs> I'm looking at you, Ben Stiller. Mm. You were like 45 when that movie Reality Bites came out. You were way too old to be playing anywhere near Winona Ryder's... Uh, <laughs> Winona's Winona. <laughs> boyfriend at the time. You may have actually only been 30 at the time, but you seemed like you were 45. And Reality Bites is nowhere near as good a movie as singles. Not even close. And neither is Empire Records. That's my hot take. That was the Hormel Chili hot take. 
<laughs> spicy hormel. <laughs> spicy hormel. It's good when it's hot, but don't eat it cold. Okay. Oh, I'll, uh, I'll, it's one of those that like I need to see. Yeah, it's on. It's, the, it's, it's on there. A, uh, yeah. That's definitely will, will you'll enjoy. I'm used to the commercialization of things I don't give a fuck about, like a Lombada, the Forbidden Dance, <laughs> or right. whatever. But when grunge was being commercialized, I remember thinking, "Fuck, come on, this is." Don't do this. Well, I think I I think when it came out, it was uh, it was still like on the cusp of breaking out. Was the, it? Yeah, it, it was. It's just after Nevermind had okay. come out. Like Pearl Jam had just broken, so it still felt like it was documenting this cool new thing that like you and your friends were into, but it hadn't gone okay mainstream mainstream yet. Yeah, for sure. I don't think that um, Eddie Vedder would be in something. A few years later, right, hmm. right. I think I, th- I think this is an example of because they had all these music- musicians not only on the soundtrack but in the movie, it gave it this level of authenticity. Hmm. Okay, all right. So uh, Michael, give us uh, the we're in the bottom of the second round. Bottom of the second round, um, I'll go with uh, Oingo Boingo. Oh, fun! Playing is like Oingo Boingo in <laughs> Back to School. Yes, oh, that's, yeah. a fun, that's a fun. Where they play uh, their very famous hit song, um, Dead Man's Party. Uh, Rodney Dangerfield's character, whose name I have no idea. Um, I'll just assume, I'll just call him Rodney Dangerfield. He's just Rodney Dangerfield. Because he's, he's him yeah. in everything. Yeah. Is he a character who has ever not played himself in something? Yeah, isn't it usually he's they give him like a Polish name like Mr. Lipnicki or something like that. He's Roy Servick in uh, uh in he's Roy Servick in Caddyshack, but I I I just watched a scene from Back to School where he was telling the economics professor tearing him a new one mm. for not uh giving them a, a really good case study. By the way, Thornton Mellon. Thornton Mellon. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. Well, he plays a character who um, owns like a kind of su- very successful chain of like big and tall men's yeah. outfits, whatever. And his son's at college and his son's not doing well. And uh, he's supposed to be on like the diving team, but he's not. He's like the towel boy for the diving team. So yada, yada, yada. He goes back to school to prove a point to his son not to drop out or to get his diploma or whatever. But, you know, he's... Like, you know, he plays this big gregarious rich guy right. that can just do things. So he <laughs> John Goodman would have played this role 20 years later. Yeah. Uh, so uh, one night he throws like this huge party. They're like studying for finals or some some big event is coming up. And uh, the house band that's playing is Oingo Boingo. And you can tell it's Oingo Boingo and not just like them playing as another band. Because behind them in giant neon letters <laughs> says Oingo fucking Boingo. And like Danny Elfman's yeah. there and like his... Uh, wife beater and just these really gorgeous shots of him like really well lit the coloring's great on it just singing away and singing the song while you know flotsam happens at the yeah. uh, at the at the at the party you know people are in hot tubs and uh, uh robert downey jr is you know in his prime kind of creepy robert yeah. downey jr-ness of it all oh i gotta go back and i forgot he was in that yeah he plays like the friend but yeah who kind of messes around with the soundboard and things uh, explode and windows crack another thing where things are cracking. Uh-huh. But, uh, it just sounds great. They just yeah. sound like prime Oingo Boingo, mm-hmm. 1986. He also, um, Danny Elfman wrote the, did the music for the movie. Oh, he did. So oh, cool. I'm, I wonder if they're just like, you know, listen, I'm already doing the music. 
yeah. just just bring the bring the band in and do like a, a thing with the band and double dip a little bit. I I was a huge fan of this TV show called Square Pegs. Sure, maybe with you guys. Jessica Parker yeah. and Tracy Nelson. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and um, they had an episode where Devo was on. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I guess they get paid their live performance fee no matter what. They get paid. They do double dip. Like they get paid. Um, if they use the song, they also get paid somehow the same SAG rates as if they were actually to perform it. So they just said, well, you might as well fucking perform it. <laughs> so they they hired them to do the song first and then they just wrote them into the show. So I wonder if that's a similar situation with Oingo Boingo in that in that thing so uh, that's that's fun that actually reminds me that how much oingo boingo was kind of more in the mainstream than i realized because i always thought of them as kind of a little bit of outsiders but no yeah i mean you you think back to them as the fraternal where they the fraternal order of yeah the knights of the knights of night that's what it was mystic knights yeah so they they definitely came a long way Mm -hmm. okay Uh, my friends watching out in streamland or listening on podcast land we want to thank you for being with us and we've been doing many of these episodes and we've been plugging away for a long time and we want to increase our audience base so if you would do us a solid and go out and share with your good good pals who love good good podcasts our podcast and let them know you dig it and then do us a solid too and engage with us on social media. We got Twitter, we got Instagram, we got Facebook, and let us know uh, the type of episodes or even topics for episodes that you'd like to see in the future. That would be so freaking amazing. We love it. We love it. We love it if you do that. And then also, hey, while you're at your podcast, podcast aggregator, listener of choice, download, rate, and review past episodes because that lets. Uh, us know that you're out there listening and it uh, also lets us know how you would rate us and how you think we're doing so we're back and then richard is going to favor us with this third choice all right my third choice is primus nice from the uh, 1991 film bill and ted's bogus journey great it was almost on my list really yeah doing tommy the cat (laughs) um as the band that goes on right before bill and ted have to get up there (laughs) and do their uh talent show Uh uh Battle performance, of the Battle of the Bands performance, um, and I just I chose this because it, it, it again it's another movie that's got several kind of musician cameos that I loved back in '91. Primus being one, it's got uh, Jim Martin who is a guitar player from Faith No More, in there is another cameo, um, and I just love this concept of what's the band that if you were to have to go on as a Battle of the Band contestant <laughs> and you were in, if you if Primus was the band that went on before you and you've got Les, Clay, Les Claypool doing all yeah. that <laughs> you would be just like fuck yeah shit there's no way anyone's going to think we're better than that you know you we're know dead. How, you know how you, you you're going to be better build robot us's yeah you get death yes. out there on Station. the drums death yeah. on the drums would work yes you get um station yeah <laughs> doing whatever it is that yeah. station's doing yeah people will just be like i don't know what i'm seeing i guess i gotta vote for this death's gonna fucking kill us fucking remember, vote for primus i do remember not thinking it was a great movie when it first came out it was like a bit of a disappointment after bill and ted's excellent mm. adventure me being 15 at the time yeah Watch. I went back and rewatched it before uh, the last Bill and Ted yeah, came yeah. out uh, with the kids just to get them ready for it, and it's really good. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it, like a really good movie. It's right up there in that self-aware world that like Gremlins Two kind of lives in, right. where it came out of the movie 
uh, out of Gremlins and was like, okay, we can poke fun at ourselves. Everyone loved the first one. You can't go back and make the same movie. So like Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, they're like, we we can do like crazier stuff and the rules of this can apply however we want. Yeah. Were they, was this the one where they kind of having a seance? Is that into... Um, there's some. I remember learning that the screenwriters or producers or somebody were were themselves in cameoing in the movie mm. too. Oh, really? So at that point, realizing how self-aware it was, this wasn't "Dude, Where's My Car." It's a little bit more meta, nuanced, and nuanced, meta nuanced meta. and yeah. meta. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a that's a fun that's a fun one too. Uh, uh, I think Primus did they just play in L.A. like last Sunday or something? Did like they? That? Yeah, I mm. think they just played here. They didn't show up on my uh, my tracker of, no. <laughs> of all the shows that I'm not going to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, okay. Because uh, I'm old. I'm old. <laughs> Michael, what's your third? My third choice is the band Twisted Sister in Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Oh, nice. <laughs> Very nice. And uh, <laughs> as Pee Wee Herman is... Uh, recovering his bicycle, trying to get it back, he finally get, makes it to like the... Burbank, mm-hmm. uh, Warner Brothers lot, yeah. and as kind of riding his his bike through the back lot past a, a Godzilla film being filmed and through like jungle sets and uh, over uh, this car for Twisted Sister playing, um, uh, I don't know the name of the song. We're not going to take it. No, or... no uh, you're going to burn in hell. Okay. We don't need, don't. and like it's just <laughs> Twisted Sister and they're climbing across like the hood of a car yeah. and like just... Um, filming their own music video, something else that's happening in the back of background of all this stuff, just to show how chaotic it is, and like it's over within like ten seconds. Yeah, but it's very recognizable. It's very like, oh, okay. Then Twisted Sister's car gets like dragged along uh-huh. into the whole mess and part of the chase scene. So this is just part of the when you see a backlot Hollywood backlot. This is just things that happen all it's the time. An astronaut walking with a showgirl, yeah. <laughs> and a, a stagehand grabbing a. a, a potted palm tree <laughs> I like that that used to be what people it used to be like that maybe what in the 50s mm-hmm. where they were filming like a Tarzan oops sorry yeah. they were filming a Tarzan and a three cowboy TV series yeah. and uh, some space show and then that was just like everyone just sat down at lunch yeah and they were all still in costume. Yeah. A Roman centurion and a <laughs> <Yeah>. mobster. <laughs> Somebody. That sounds very Coen Brothers. Yeah. Uh, a little, yeah. yeah. There's some things that happen in like um, movies and Hollywood interpretations of movies that they, I think they just don't want to let go of. And I think that sort of the mm. chaos of the movie studio lot is, I don't know. I, I very, Or Blazing Saddles feels like the, yeah. the end of that or yeah. something like that. Jeff, you've, you've done a little bit of work in Hollywood. <laughs> When you were dressed up as like an astronaut and sitting next to yeah. uh, Jesus on the cross, still on the cross, having <laughs> having like mac and cheese, is, uh, is that what is that? It what does seem almost something that was uh, Hollywood maybe copying the Pathé Gazette Movie Tone News, mm. where Dateline Hollywood and show uh, Esther, Esther Williams taking a lunch break in the studio commissary. Yeah, well, she's still in her bathing. Yeah, suit. she's still in her bathing room. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, I. There was a time at uh, Disney where there was more activity in the studios and you would, uh, yeah, I remember walking to lunch and this woman on this bicycle, very beautiful woman, but she had weird Was it a hair. red and white bicycle that it didn't look red, like it belonged to her? It was. And she stole it from Pee Wee. Um, and she was making eye contact with me as she was riding towards me. Mm. And she's kind of like had this little mischievous smile. And then I remember thinking, do I know her? Do I know her from school? Do I, how do I know this woman? She seems... 
like she's way into me. Oh, it's Jennifer Garner. I don't know why. <laughs> she's smiling. She's in her like alias makeup. I was hoping it was what's his name from Twisted Sister. It wasn't D Snyder. It wasn't D Snyder. <laughs> I love how D Snyder kind of kind of became a Zappa esque kind of spokesperson for you know uh, anti censorship. Oh yeah, yeah. It was part of that PMRC. Sort yeah, of like, mm-hmm. like kind of trying to stuff nip that in the bud. Yeah, and definitely somebody who, if you were if you were uh, to cast a uh, playfully cinematic. Uh, heavy metal singer you weren't going to get Glenn Danzig or somebody like right. that you, Paul Rubens was going to cast somebody more like Dee Snyder yeah. okay uh, Richard is this the last this, is, this last. is the last ladies and gentlemen Uh-oh. Mr. Burt Bacharach and Elvis oh, Costello no. <laughs> oh Austin from uh, Austin Powers to awesome. Spy Who Shacked Me um, and we talked about you talked about the Macy Gray cameo earlier in the Spider-Man mm-hmm. movie and I think this this is a this is an example where you kind of play on that, and that's exactly what what Mike Myers was getting at by kind of dropping this into the movie. Yeah, let's just have a gratuitous. Yeah, we want to have I want to have a Burt Bacharach in song. Mm-hmm. So instead of just playing the song, why don't we have Burt Bacharach and his buddy of the moment, his a <laughs> uh, his a uh, sidekick, little sidekick Elvis. Yeah, just show up and kind of be doing the song in a sidewalk cafe mm-hmm. and um, it, and then we'll introduce them because we'll just go ahead and break the fourth wall because yeah. it's an Austin Powers movie and who the hell cares yeah um, yeah this was around the time when Elvis Costello and Bert was like I said was palling around with Burt Bacharach making painted from memory and doing soundtrack stuff and generally pretending that he was Hal David Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a wonderful rendition of the song I just I like it because it sort of takes that idea of the musician cameo and kind of explodes it a little bit. Yeah, in that the the uh, a Michael Caine film or a, a spy film of that era, they would have gone into a nightclub and seen Shirley Bassey singing. Yes, maybe. <laughs> exactly. But there just would have been Shirley Bassey up there. They wouldn't have explained it or it wouldn't be yeah. anything else. This is more like it felt like something out of a. All of a sudden, you've got like a a variety show mm-hmm. that kind of pops up in the middle of this Austin Powers film. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. Okay, uh, wrapping it all up is uh, Michael Winfield. Uh, my last choice is the band Big Bad Voodoo Daddy oh, from well, Swingers. Nice. Oh, yeah. Where they're kind of like this, uh, uh, the, the, not Vince Vaughn, the, um, John Favreau's character um, in this kind of like kind of newly revised uh, swing music and swing dance and um, big, yeah. uh, big band sort of scene in LA. And yeah. uh, he goes, you know, the character in swingers, he's kind of like this lovelorn can't get over a past girlfriend sort of thing. And um, keeps trying to, but he's just, he's just incapable of it until he meets like Heather Graham. Another yeah. Another yeah, reference N- to Heather Graham. Uh, until he meets Heather Graham at like this, um, you know, kind of... Uh, is it the Brown clubs. Derby or something? Matter at the Three of Clubs. I believe three it's the clubs? Three of Clubs. Oh, okay. okay. This uh, kind of like, you know, swing dancing club, you know, playing like 20s, you know, yeah. uh, 50s, 50s 40s, 40s uh, kind of swing music and um, kind of reveals his like latent talent for like swing yeah. dances. Like in the background, Big Bad Voodoo Daddy plays like three... Mm-hmm. Um, three big songs and like it kind like of you and me and the bottle makes three tonight was one of them for yeah sure. uh the other two i have written down are um it's like i wanted it's a cup one of them's i think a cover of what's the louis prima song from uh your mu- from uh, the, book i don't have the other ones written down i think oh, it's, i want to be like you. Uh, yeah i want to be yeah. like you i don't know what the third one is um but there you know it's 
it captures this weird moment where like for some reason people were, were into like swing music or like this sort of big bad voodoo daddy was like a thing yeah and like it's just like it's like the thing like the you said the catch, catching catching people at the right time and putting them in movies right like in singles or like whatever it was just like oh this was a hot thing that was around for some reason it was for, they were on like k-rock for like a hot minute yeah, yeah. i was real big, big fish another right squirrel nut zippers yeah Squir- that's what yeah yeah that's a funny aspect of it that i hadn't thought of until now is what do films get from these cameos and a cameo casting a cameo is a very can be a very strategic last minute thing that you do maybe it's a little bit of a it's not even icing on the cake. It's just one of those little florets that you, mm. you put on there. And it's just a little bit of a draw to bring in the hot new thing at that moment. And in that case, yeah, even it, even though it was an indie film, which is kind of out of the mainstream. I film. saw Swingers eight times in the theater. Oh, yeah. That's a huge number. Because yeah. I kept taking new people to it to say, you got to see this movie. It's incredible. And yeah. also, this is pretty much my life circa 1997. Oh, cool came out yeah i mean my buddy steven and i would every week go out to you know dresden room three of clubs any one of those places any of the places you saw in the the camp mm-hmm. the, in the montage the beginning of the movie we lived there and i had i had the total like 50s shirt yeah. open with the wife beater underneath i mean i thought i was uh, oh we gotta get some pictures oh i gotta <laughs> I'll, I'll find some pictures oh, please i'll find yeah. some pictures <laughs> Um, I totally thought I was Trent. Yeah. I was probably more of a Sue, mm. but I probably I thought I was a Trent. Not realizing what a dickhole Trent actually is. Now you watch, oh, yeah, he's the you worst. You go back and you watch it like years later, and it's like, oh, I totally missed the point of this. Yeah. It's still a great movie, but I totally missed the point of it when it came out. Ah, oh, that is so fun, because that movie I saw after I got divorced, and I was just in a, just a down, down mode, and that uh, went and saw it with a good, good friend. And it was like, you're so money, baby. You don't even know don't even it. Know it, yeah. it. It became like my little mantra for a while there. Kind sure, of a, absolutely. Yeah. It was, I, I haven't watched it in a while. I'm a little concerned to go back and watch it. I'm, pro- I'm worried it's problematic oh, mm. for reasons that I can't quite remember. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure that it's probably problematic. Uh, that scene you're talking about, Mike, I remember when I was getting into screenwriting and there was something like the scene... It was some screenwriting magazine that pulled out that scene, and Favreau had written it as this surprise even to the reader. Hmm. Um, and it's the band plays, and it's as if Favreau's character has spent many, many years studying how to swing dance because he did and because right. he's great. And it was a moment where this character finally gets this. It's like a superpower. Yeah, yeah. It was it was even even in the script it was one of those kind of like moments where um, uh, the Dread Pirate Roberts reveals that he's he's fighting with his left hand and he's really right handed you know he's like he's got this ace up his sleeve and that was that screen that swing dancing thing so that was cool okay dude so this is the time if you're new to the podcast or if you're new to the stream I have the uh, in, in in no un unenviable task the enviable <laughs> task of telling you these suckers who's wrong no of trying to remember what they said yes. and then um and then saying uh which is which one's the best but i will go with that swingers one because yeah, um great. richard likes it and and 
Michael loves it. It was and, Richard, apparently. Yeah. It was me all along. <laughs> it was actually. I mean, it's a really a vote for Richard. And uh, I'm not going to go for Macy Gray because that was just, just out of spite. Mm. It was just a weird, spiteful uh, moment. Um, Oingo Boingo in uh, Back to School. That was a lot of fun. And uh, also Chris Cornell in Singles. That was a lot of fun. And what the heck else was there? Um, do you want me to give you one of mine that you sure Bert Rack and 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 uh, Elvis Costello. Elvis Costello and Bert Bacharach cameoing in uh, Austin Powers Spy Shag Me. Is that one? Yeah. The other one. Yeah. And the last one. Uh, that's four, isn't it? That's four. Is that four? I think I said no to Macy Gray. Okay. All right. This has been the Mount Rushmore of bands and or actors cameoing as themselves in films. As always, I'm Jeff. I'm Richard. I'm Michael. Goodbye. 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 Goodbye.